tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey there, AfterBuzz TV fans. Welcome to another edition of the Turn After Show. Tonight we are talking about episode 9 from season 2, The Prodigal. Yay! Joining me tonight, Kristen Carroll. Hey guys, nice to see you. Nice to be back again. It's always nice to have you here in the studio. Mm -hmm. And I'm your host, Megan Salinas. Joining us tonight, we will also have a very special guest. Samuel Roken will be calling in at some point. Um, but for The prodigal guest returns. (laughs) I'm using it. He used it in the show. I can use it in this one. There we go. Yeah, no, it all works (laughs) out. Uh, but we'll, for those of you uh, who are watching the show live, we are keeping an eye on social media. Uh, we are keeping an eye on the hashtag ABTVTurn, or you can tweet at us directly. My Twitter is the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. Or you can tweet me, Kristen Carroll 13 um, and I will keep an eye on it. Now, I've also been answering some questions. People are wondering if this um, will also be available later. It will. So if you even can't watch this whole thing, it's past your bedtime, come back <laughs> and watch it later on YouTube. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, we, we are available on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that other stuff. If you haven't already done so, please rate and subscribe. Leave a comment. We'd love hearing from you guys. It's fantastic. Okay. So let's go ahead and start talking about this episode because this one, um, last week was a little bit more lighter in tone all things considered and um but uh the week before was so heavy this season as a whole has been really dark and last Mm -hmm. week we got a little bit of levity but we also got cut off last week so we should probably mention you this is why we love this is is with the show growing and especially with netflix and everything like we have more people to interact with so Wonderful people on YouTube who were like, hey guys, you missed five minutes of the show <laughs> at the end. We thought the DVR just cut off the, the preview for this week. No, it and turns it, we out missed so much. We, we <laughs> cut off two very, very big scenes, one of which was Simcoe and Hewlett arriving to meet with Anna at the same time. So that was kind of crazy. Yeah. No, it was very crazy. And I'm so glad that we knew about that to go and watch it. And Robert Rogers, where the queen was trying to get him, that was a moment. Exactly. So both, thank you guys for letting us know. But joining us on the line right now is Samuel Roken. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to call in this evening. It's my pleasure. It's nice to talk to you guys again. It's great to talk to you. So excited that you're able to come on. I know it's super late over where you're at. So, um, very ex- and what an amazing episode to talk to you about too. Yeah, yeah, a lot happened, right? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff. I mean, we've seen, um, obviously, there's been the entire season for Simcoe has been kind of this war with Hewlett, this personal fight. And, and we see that very much coming to a head now that the season is coming to an end. Um, how does it feel going from last season, uh, to this season in terms of how the personal vendettas have shifted a little bit? Yeah, it's such a gift for me. Um, you know, I mean, ju- just the, um, aesthetic transformation alone was 
you know, so great to go from, uh, you know, the red coat and the wig to a much looser um, look and, um, you know, the, the kind of primitive camouflage look. Uh, you know, that's, that's been, that's been such a great thing just for me as an actor. And then, of course, yeah, the, the, the vendettas and the, the conflicts deepen, don't they? And, um, and go down a slightly different route. Um, so it's been, um, you know, I think it's, 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 it's everything we knew about Simcoe in season one, but taken in, uh, in, in a different direction and and it just deepens and gets worse because of course now he has a freer reign um, <laughs> and his, his immediate superior is in a completely different place um, and um, and with a lot more on his plate than Simcoe um, and um, and so Simcoe's free to basically do what he chooses, which um, for a, with a man like him is, is a very dangerous situation <laughs> for everybody. How fun so was it? Fun. How fun was it for you when you got that script that said Simcoe is taking over the Queen's Rangers? How how amazing was that moment for you to realize? All right, move over, Robert yeah. Rogers. I guess. Yeah, this. I mean, it's historically accurate, so mm-hmm. um, I I had a feeling that's where we were going to go. Although um, I I knew that they they were floating a few ideas around in season one about where it would go. Um, at the end, I have to say that when, when um, at the end of season one, uh, when he's basically muzzled and arrested uh, by Hewlett, um, I didn't really know what they were going to do next because, of course, we've seen him and we'd already seen him in captivity. So um, it wasn't. I knew, and I knew that he had to be punished. But it wasn't clear to me how they were going to do that. And so I was mulling it over in the hiatus, you know, and coming up with different ideas for myself, what I thought they might present. And then, of course, um, when it was revealed that he would be stuck behind a desk filling out papers, I thought, <laughs> well, that is the perfect punishment for a man like him. What could be, what could a fate worse than death for him? <laughs> so, um, uh, so, so that that alone, I just thought, oh wow, you know, that's that they've they've really they've really nailed it. And then, you know, that I, and then I thought, and then as I was reading, it, I was like, well, how is he going to get out of this situation? <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is what it's like when we read the scripts. You know, it's very exciting for us, and we don't know what's going to come up. I mean, the first thing you do is flick through and make sure that you haven't been killed, um, <laughs> and then uh, and then you go back and find out what actually happened. So, um, but, um, so yes, uh, but, and then, and then of course I read that, you know, that, that Andre is, is giving, giving him the range. I had an inkling that that's what was going to happen because, um, because of course at the end of season one, um, Andre, you know, dispenses with, uh, Rogers. So, um, I knew that that position was essentially open. Um, and I knew actually before, uh, Craig Silverstein, the um, the showrunner and and, uh, and and head writer of the show, he um, he'd actually told me before the script arrived, you know, his ideas for season two. So I knew I knew that that was coming down the pike. But the way in which it happened, you know, that whole negotiation 
um, with Andre um, brilliantly portrayed by J.J. Fields. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I thought it was just such a brilliant scene. You know, you know, two guys getting what they want um, and managing to find a common ground despite you know all the history. You know, with um, um, table manners, etc. <laughs> so, um, you know, I ju- I just think. You know, I, I thought the writing was amazing when um, when I read the pilot. You know, all that all that time ago, and you know that developed through season one, and the scripts in season two have just elevated even more. And um, I don't know about you, but I I just feel like all that groundwork we laid in season one, which was exciting in itself, has just allowed the show to breathe and and just kind of up its intensity and, and velocity and um it's so exciting now you know mm-hmm. yeah speaking of upping the ante simcoe compared to last season has been incredibly brutal <laughs> it just there there have been so many moments what makes where... you say that <laughs> i mean normal people always cut out somebody's tongue i think that's that's another common dinner etiquette i think Makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> That's just how you sign off on a letter, right? <laughs> but I wanted to yeah. know if there was anything um, so far in the script this season that genuinely shocked you in terms of what Simcoe was capable of. Um, n- nothing surprises me <laughs> um, when, when the, you know, the levels of brutality. What surprises me is that they keep coming up with new ones. <laughs> I, I mean, I said... Because I read the first script, and of course, you know, of season two, and and he he the first thing he does when he's out and about jumps off his horse and and scalps somebody and then shoots them in the head. <laughs> and 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 I said to um I said to Michael Taylor, who is one of the is is basically the second in command in the writing room, who was uh, was on set at the time. I said, you know. This was kind of in between takes. I said, you know, Michael, I think this is the um, this is probably the most painful thing we've seen Simcoe do to somebody on the show so far. So congratulations. <laughs> and he said, you haven't read episode two yet. <laughs> and um, and that really has been the theme of season two for me. Each script came, and each one was worse than the one before. <laughs> so. Um, you know, and true enough, the second episode, he's, you know, sending a serrated bayonet uh, right through someone's Adam's apple. I mean, it just, it's horrendous. Um, but, of course, the brilliant thing about why, why do we care about Simcoe is because, you know, in his mind, it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's the right course of action for the situation. And that's what that's why it's so terrifying and unpredictable because you know his moral compass is nowhere near any other human beings. Well, I think the other reason we also love him is there's certain moments where where you do such a great job at this as well is is we kind of go aw like any moment when um, when Anna confronts him several times about it and you go you know madam you know I'm a gentleman how can how can you think these bad things about me and there's certain moments like that where you go. Oh he, yeah, just I just want to hug you like for a brief second, and I'm like, oh wait, never. Mind. <laughs> wait a minute, Simcoe, yeah. this is the guy that yes, cut out exactly. another dude's tongue. 
Yeah, and I'm so glad that... Yeah, thank you for saying that. I'm so glad that, that those moments come out in that way because, you know, I, I think it's... It would be really boring if he was just mm-hmm. um, an idea of evil. You know, I think I said this to you guys last time we spoke. You know, it's, it's so important that he's a three-dimensional human being and that he has, despite his moral compass being in a different place, that he has all the same thoughts and feelings and wants and needs as any other human being, you know, and that's what the writers have uh, achieved with him, I think. And, um, and what's really fascinating, just from um, um, a character point of view, is you know, those moments that we're talking about now, uh, you know, about where there's moments of tenderness and vulnerability, um, you know, that specific situation, he genuinely means that, you know, I'm, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a warrior, yes, but I'm not a monster. He means that. What's fascinating, uh, I think, is that those moments occur when he's in the company of Anna, mm-hmm. you know, that she really brings out the vulnerability in him. Um, and, you know, I thought maybe, you know, you know, you could argue that, you know, love is his Achilles heel, you know, because he, you know, he's really, um, he's softened by her. And, um, and he, I think he, you know, in that moment, he's truly offended at the idea that he was, he would be perceived in that way. And yet always expedient, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of that, you know, just after that moment, he, he realizes that, that there's a way to get everything he wants. Yeah, so, yeah you have to hand it to it. him. He's persistent, that's for sure. <laughs> he never gives up. Yes, a little like a cockroach. <laughs> How's it been getting back in the groove with, with Heather Lind, who, who plays Anna Strong? Because I think that, you know, your character's relationships have developed so much. And I know you were saying, and I thought this was hilarious, that in the beginning of season one, you know, when you're just starting to know each other, she thought that you were staring at her <laughs> when you were sitting there in character. And yeah. I was just wondering now, do you kind of like, do you do that on purpose? How has it been getting <laughs> back into the groove Absolutely. of it? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, Heather's dreamy to work with. Um, you know, we had some really kind of high-intensity stuff to do this season, you know, including some physical violence, which is never... Or just laying, you know, as a guy, laying hands on a woman is never a nice thing to do, even mm-hmm. as an actor. You know, this still, you come out you come out of character and you feel like something weird happens. And, um, and um, but, you know, we have a really kind of... We, we don't ask... To, we, we have very little time to rehearse anyway. Um, but we have a really great groove, um, Heather and I, and, um, uh, and those scenes which could be awkward or uncomfortable, um, you know, are actually really easy and exciting to do because, um, we don't have any, there's no barriers. Um, um, and if that's true of, of really everybody on the show, we're, we're really locked out with, um, well, it's not luck, is it? You know, if they chose well, we have a really strong company of actors and, and you know, and pretty much anything goes. And, and, uh, and, and we know it's a very free, free and easy working environment. And Heather and I just really get on so well and we're good friends um, out of work, you know. And, um, uh, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, um, and yeah, and she's... Uh, I think she's less easily freaked out now. She knows <laughs> she knows what I'm playing at. Um, but um, but yeah, it's always it's always fun to uh, you know 
to turn the screw a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> You're like hiding the tongue in her like wardrobe, right? <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> say again, say again. Oh, like hiding that the tongue that you cut off, like the prop, like in her wardrobe or something like that. Now, come on, you're making Simcoe out to be really horrible. Now, he'd never do such a thing. You put it in a drawer. It's all right, that's all right, that's all right. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of developing character relationships, something that we've seen is Simcoe has actually built up a confidant in the form of Akimbode, which, um, just based on last season, I don't even know if the two of them ever had a scene together. So I would have never guessed that that was a character relationship that would develop to the point where um, Simcoe would trust him to go out for a couple days on on a couple days leave to do this personal assignment out of love yeah um i think he he's um one thing you can say about simcoe he's um he's very quick but i think a very good judge of character and you know whilst his um whilst so let's go back to season one where he um he killed that guy at the dinner table at Andre's place. You know, of course, that was um, an action that was um, beyond what was called for and an unacceptable thing to do at a dinner table. But he was right he about was. that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he th- that guy was um, um, was a spy. You know, or at least was. Um, uh, was up to something, and he spots that. In the same vein, as soon as he um, joins the Rangers, he spots the good man and um, sees the potential in him and knows that if he gives him his freedom, then he owes him, and he will owe him in loyalty. And so... I think, and as he says, you know, he says in, in um, episode two, um, I think, um, yeah, in episode two, he says, you know, um, you're the only one I know for sure doesn't wish me dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and he at least knows that's true once he's handed him his freedom papers. So um, I think they've really built up a trust. And the Kimba Day has um, repaid him. You know, he has been loyal. And, you know, we see that when um, when Anna goes to, to ask, ask him to accompany uh, Cicero to, uh, to Abigail, um, you know, he says, I can't, Simca won't be able to spare me. And, um, and you know, he's, he's even loyal when not in his company. And so I think his, the trust is well-founded. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, but we'll we'll see um, we'll see what happens in the next episode. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, oh, okay. and I was going to say we actually got a fan question from um, for you. Oh, exciting! From Attorney Tracy, she wanted to know: Ask Roken, read that Simcoe voice. Because <laughs> you do, you put a little put a little flair on it. I love it. Yes. He's he's a little um, he's a little higher in his register than I am mm. uh, normally in real life and um, and yes the, so the the voice really came right at the beginning of the of the show starting we were talking Craig and I and um, Rupert Wyatt who directed the 
uh, first the, the pilot episode. We were talking about what was define this guy and what would be the um, characteristics of him that that would make him different from you know anybody else. What makes him unique? And um, it was clear that you know he was an antagonist um, and uh, someone who was a real malevolent presence. And it was very important to me that he didn't come with a heavy hand and that he had a delicate touch. And it it was really an experiment at the beginning. I, I said, well, what about if he is just really gentle? All of, you know, if he's just really gentle, you know, it sort of makes, um, it makes, it makes sense of why he's so um, frightening. You know, if, he, if, if, if he's just kind of heavy-handed, you, you sort of know what's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and people know that he's dangerous, but they don't know where it's going to come from next. And, and I think, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the higher voice, soft, and it's not really about how high his voice is to me, it's just about how delicate it can be. You know, I just think that it puts us a little on edge when someone's a bit like that. And I think that's good. That's, um, um, I think that's who he is. I think he is that. He, he is, a, he has a delicate touch. And, um, and really that's what it was. And, and it just came out like that. I mean, I, I, I wish there was, um, that's, that's as much as I can tell you. I didn't really, um, I didn't really go, oh, I'm going to do this. I just mm-hmm. had an idea of what I, of, of what I, of the source of um, of his energy, really, you know, um, the essence of who he was, if you like, and um, and then I just sort of let that develop organically, and that's and that's where it went. So um, um, and uh, and it was kind of, uh, I guess, it was, you know, it was, it was just, it just really found its groove as we went along, and um, and that's who he is now. So. Um, but those things are hard. You can't, you know. I didn't read. I didn't read the script, for example, and go, "Oh, this is how his voice is going to be." You know, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, as actors. I mean, person. I mean, everybody works differently. But for me, uh, it's kind of an organic process, and um, I, I have an idea of of his energy and his essence, and um, um, you know, whoever it is that I'm playing, and um, and then uh, hopefully, you know, if I just let it breathe a bit, you know, that's, that's what happens. And so his voice sort of came out of the idea of, of delicacy, really. Well, that makes sense um, because one of the one of the things you mentioned last season um, that we actually got to see a bit of this season was actually the fact that Simcoe is a poet. So the the fact that he has a delicate touch when it comes to his voice makes sense. And actually, probably one of my favorite bits from the season was the bit of poetry that we got to hear from him. Yeah, I was so happy that that came in. I, I requested it. I, I said, you know, we've got to, you know, he was a poet. We've got to get it in somewhere. And I hope there's more of it, you know. Um, but um, I'm glad you, I'm glad, glad you appreciated that. Yeah, it was, um, and it was, it was such a nice way to use it as well. I thought. Oh no! Uh, you, I, I wish that somebody had been taking a reaction video because I think I literally said, "Oh, it's his poetry," like a girl. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you would have was... thought John Andre came on the scene when it happened. I'm telling you, Samuel, it's, it's great. It's true. It's one of the most I've ever uh... felt for Simcoe was having his poetry read in front of all the other officers. I was, I felt so bad for him. 
Yeah, it's so embarrassing. But I think, you know, these are the things that make him uh, a complete human being. I think it's so important that those aspects come out. Like I've said before, it's just, it's always been crucial to me. It's, it's no fun playing a bad guy that knows he's bad. It's not, it's not interesting. And, uh, and I don't think it strikes true either, you know. Um, and uh, I, I love these different facets to his character. And I think that's such a, you know, there's absolutely no reason why he can't be um, creative and artistic and, and all those other things, um, uh, loving in his own way, you know, along with um, being completely ruthless and abhorrent at times as well. I think that's what makes him interesting and fun. Absolutely. Well, one of the one of the big things this season is how his relationship with Hewlett has changed. He went from kind of covertly undermining him to um, overtly, physically, and outright politically attacking him in various ways. How has that been um, playing with Byrne now that that dynamic has changed? Yes, things aren't good, are they? No. <laughs> I mean, it's great television. Um, it's great to watch. Uh, Burn is just one of the greatest actors you would ever um, hope to work with. He's he's hilarious, firstly, um, as a human being, and um, um, and he his. I just think Hewlett's uh, Hewlett's what a brilliant creation from him, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and. And yes, you know, obviously things were bad, weren't they, at the end of season one? Um, and it's just, it's just got worse. It's got deeper. It's got out of hand. Um, yeah. Now they want the same thing. That's terrible. Yeah, that's that's terrible. <laughs> say, say again. Sorry. Oh, they want the same thing. They both want Anna. Yes. Who knew <laughs> that? I, I had no idea that was where it was going to go. And of course, you know. It, it just takes it to a whole other level. Um, it, you know, that, that's the scene, what was brilliant, you know, all, all of the, so much history uh, has taken place between those two now, right? And we've seen it happen before our eyes on screen. And the great thing for, just for us as actors, is that we've done those things. You know, mm-hmm. we, you know, he, uh, Simcoe did feed an apple to his horse. So I did that. We all have these, like, gifts of memories, but actually we did, we filmed them. So when it comes to that scene where we had the parlay in in, in this episode, we don't have to work very hard at um, uh, all the ingredients to our pressure cooker that we're trying to keep the lid on, uh, because we, we we have those things in our arsenal. So what was great about that scene is that is that both Byrne and I brought um, brought all of that history that we've created together, just in you know in the in the, in the episodes of season one and you know and what we've done in season two. You know, we brought all of that into that conversation and just and and just talked, and it's all there. And uh, I was so excited to see how it came out that it you know that it it, it was all it was there in the in the watching of it as well, because um, it, it, it just became, it was very charged, you know, and it felt really, really dangerous. And, and every time now, um, Simcoe and Hewlett are, are, are in 
proximity of each other, it feels like it's about to kick off. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it started to feel like that on set as well. You know, particularly like when he, when he comes back from the dead, as mm-hmm. it were, and, um, and, and, and everybody's in the tavern. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is the wrong place to be <laughs> with, with troops behind both parties, you know. And, and it really felt like it was on, on edge there. And, and so that's something we've tried to um, maintain and, and kind of intensify as we've gone on. Um, and um, he, um, Burns just the easiest, the easiest person to work with and, um, and the easiest and, and he, you know, he really, uh, we both kind of turn it on and go, and go full, full tilt, uh, when we're in scenes together. And, it, and it's, um, uh, but the parlay was just so brilliant because both men were trying to hold it together, you know, without slicing the other's throat. It's, it's um, so it was a lot of fun. And, um, uh, but it's been a great, I think it's, I think it's been a great story line, you know, I think it's, um, and like you say, you know, with Anna being uh, the focus of Hewlett now as well, um, I don't even know what the word for that is. It was a, it was a sort of love triangle, wasn't it, with, mm-hmm. with Abe? So what is it, a, a love square? Uh, maybe a know. pentagon. I, I feel like there, because oh. Sela's in there too. <laughs> yes, yes, I can't forget Sela. <laughs> yes, a pentagon. A pentagon of... Of hope, I think it is. <laughs> At least Anna yeah. has all these choices, I guess. <laughs> Good <Yes>. for her. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's a powder keg every time the two of them are on screen together. And I think, just not to get into predictions, but I think next uh, the next episode, that's when we're going to see things blow. Yeah, I think it's um, I, I'm I, I, all I can tell. It's expl- it's an explosive episode. <laughs> That's all I can tell you, and um, uh, and I think I think it's going to be a, a really satisfying um, uh, peak to to the season. Next episode It's very very exciting. A lot there's a lot happening, and I think you can sense that you know, in, in particularly in this episode, how things things are building. Right, so mm-hmm. um, there's some good stuff coming. Uh, I don't think I don't think the fans will be disappointed. Are you guys going to do anything to? Because um, it seems like the cast is so close, and there's so many of you guys in, in New York and London together. Do you guys get together for any of the episodes and kind of watch together? And well, yeah, and um, um, we we try to put it that way, but we are all <laughs> spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually in Los Angeles, there's um, there's going to be um, uh, AMC organizing a, a finale uh, party, but a, but you know. I, I'm on the East Coast, and uh, Heather Lynn's on the East Coast. She's doing a play in New York, and uh, Ian Khan's over here. But Heather Lynn had a, an, a first episode party, which we were all invited to. Um, so yeah, we do try and we do try and hang out. We're always talking because we haven't we haven't seen any of these episodes, you know. Mm-hmm. So we we watch them with you guys. So uh, tomorrow we're all on the phones with each other talking about it. Um, so um, it's uh, it's it's pretty exciting for us to um, you know to to watch it develop on the screen because you know, we have we've only read the scripts and shot the episodes but you know a lot of you know we haven't seen any any of the other stuff that's going on I mean there's so I mean the thing I love about this season is how um, how the show has just opened up you know I just think 
you know, I, I absolutely adore the the John Andre, Peggy Shippen, Benedict mm-hmm. Arnold story. I, I mean, the chemistry between Andre and uh, and Peggy, I just think is so brilliant. I mean, that's that's a hard thing to achieve, you know, on screen, and and um, that's really flying. And of course, all the stuff with Washington. You know, Ian Khan just doing brilliant work, making us believe we're actually seeing Washington. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's incredible, and, and so um, it's really exciting for us to um, to um, to see how it comes out on the screen. Um, but Ian Khan and I regularly talk uh, about about what's going on on the show, and. and um, and we always have a, like a we do our own after buzz discussions <laughs> together. I love this. Uh, uh, you need to air uh, these around eleven a.m. on a Tuesday morning, usually. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic! And I know that a lot of the fans really appreciate that you guys live tweet along with the episodes as well. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think it's it, it's such a cool thing that um, that they can have contact with us and we mm-hmm. can have contact with them. Um, we're not doing it for, for for ourselves, you know. We're doing it so we're doing a show and telling these stories so that um, um, an an audience is uh, enjoying it and getting already getting something out of it. And it's it's great to get that immediate feedback, um, and it's a, really it's a very small thing to do is is to be able to to talk to the uh, the people that love the show and keep it going. So. Um, I really enjoy hearing what they have to say about it. Um, they're a really, they're a really loyal um, fan base, and they're um, and they're also um, they're really creative. They do these incredible things. They they do drawings and they they make stuff. Someone last season made a Simcoe doll, <laughs> and 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 took him to all kinds of weird places like the gnome in Amelie. <laughs> Um, and, and so he was like in the library, he was at the cinema, he was, you know, he was like everywhere. I had to follow um, this person. It, <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. And, you know, and, and, and a little shining, but it was, um, uh, but no one was stabbing the dolls. That's good. <laughs> um, but you know, but they're, they're just, they're just great. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so happy that, that, that Twitter exists and, you know, we can, we can talk to our fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and actually, something that we have new here at AfterBuzz is that we're streaming live on YouTube right now, and there's a live chat going on, and there are tons of people who are keeping their fingers crossed, hoping for a renewal that we get a season three. Yeah. So, <laughs> we'll keep. On, I was hoping. <laughs> any any thoughts on that? Any any word maybe from AMC? There's no word. Dang it! There's no word. I I was if I. If I knew, I probably wouldn't be able to tell you, but I can honestly tell you that I don't know anything. Um, but I think we've made a fantastic season. Mm-hmm. I think the show has only gathered momentum. And I think from what I gather, everybody's very excited to see what's going to happen next. So, um, I mean, we know what happens Obviously, in the end. Spoiler alert. Um, let's not let let's not pretend we don't. We do. But we're excited to see how it happens, and um, and I, and I think you know there's seriously there's a momentum building, and mm-hmm. 
you know, the fan base is growing and I, there's a lot of energy behind the show. So, um, I, you know, everybody's feeling pretty positive, I would say. And, um, and I, you know, we would love to do it again. I know that we, we, the cast, would love to do it again and, um, and keep going and keep bringing it to the, to the screen. Um, and, and I, I personally, um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be playing Simcoe. Um, and so I would love to keep doing it. Um, but, uh, we don't know. We don't know. We, they, they <laughs> will keep us hanging on until the very last moment, I'm sure. Um, uh, so, but I, I'm, I'm excited to know and I'm excited to tell everybody when I know. But I don't, I genuinely don't know anything. But I'm hopeful and positive and, um, uh, I think it looks good. All I know is that I'm, I, I'm really proud of, the show and I'm really proud of um, I was part of season one I think season two is you know we've got a, it's it's really a proper spy show now isn't it <laughs> you know it's it's, uh, it's you know the turtle the invention oh that was so um, great <laughs> the bat cave essentially uh, really it, is you a know bat all cave. of this stuff has made it really kind of um, it's just kind of up the ante like you said and um, and um, and so I think uh uh, we, we've uh, we've certainly put the ingredients in the pot for a season three, mm-hmm. so um, let's cross our fingers, right? Absolutely, and I think the move to Netflix too really helped. I know a lot of people also were able to then, you know, if they missed season one, they were able to watch it now, and I think that's a great move too because a lot of people now all of a sudden like binge watch, so they watch all of season one, and then they're like, okay, we have to get this in time for season two when it's airing, which I think is perfect as well. Absolutely. I think, see, I also think, um, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's so brilliant that you can consume TV in all of these different ways now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, like you said, binge watching is, is what most people do. Um, I, I do it with, with shows. It's how I watched Mad Men. It's how I watched The Walking Dead. Um, it's how I watch Breaking Bad, you know, all the, the shows that we, we love and the Sopranos, the same thing. I caught, I what I binged watched up to the point where it was on telly and then I watched like the final season live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just love, I think actually more people can, um, can enjoy the show eventually because, uh, just because you might be, um, obsessed with Game of Thrones doesn't mean that you can't also be a fan of Turn. Just because you were watching something else on the night, you can then go back and watch watch the other show on a different day. And I think that's really cool. Um, and it's only, I think it's only a good thing for TV. I really do. And um, it's very exciting that we're on Netflix and Amazon as well. And you can, you know, you can watch the entire season on iTunes for less than it costs for a uh, um, you know, for a month of cable, you know, if mm-hmm. that's what you want to do, you know. Yeah, it still so, gets the content um, out, I, which is it, great. It's very cool. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we know it's really late for you over on the East Coast. So, again, thank you so, so much. Um, do you guys have any, do you have any other projects that you're working on that you can talk about? I know sometimes it's hard when things are under wraps. Well, um, I'm, I'm waiting for a few people to make decisions on, um, um, some jobs that I'm in the mix for. There's um, uh, a couple of TV things and a, and a and a movie, and and we'll see. I'm um, I'm working on some things of my own. I'm trying to bring a few things off the ground myself and writing a bit, and um, 
I'm working on a few projects with some some collaborators. So, um, so there's nothing uh, there's nothing firm in the in the pipeline at the moment, but um, there's a lot of plans on the fire. Put it that way. Oh, we can't wait to hear once when, when some of them, you know, yep. get done. Do you? I have one more yeah. question, but do you have any other questions, Christian? Um, I'm good. Chris, okay, awesome. Um, the other, the my final question: um, If we do get a renewal, if uh, we do hear from AMC that they decide to renew the show, what would you like to see explored for Simcoe in a future storyline? Oh wow! Um, I I want I I want to see more. Uh, the, the more the more we see him on the battlefield, the and in in the field, you know, out in the out in the wilderness, in the forest, wherever he is, you know, with the rangers. Um, I love that part of it because that makes us understand why he's managed to maintain his position in the British Army despite his behaviour. Mm-hmm. And um, and so the more we see of that, I think the more we appreciate why he's there. And so I I I love all the stuff at the range, and I want to see more of it. And um, and and so there's that aspect of it. And I, I also would be just really excited to see his vulnerability played with more, um, be it with Anna or or for some other reason um, that the writers might come up with, but. Uh, it's those two things. I think seeing him as a great leader, and then seeing his vulnerability and how and why that comes out—that's what makes him uh, a complete and kind of fascinating um, human being to portray. And so, the more of that, the better for me. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for season three because that sounds fantastic. Otherwise, Megan and I yeah. are just coming around with a camera to meet all you guys. <laughs> We're going to film our own scenes. Sounds good. You're welcome anytime. <laughs> Fantastic. Where can fans go if they want to find out more about you and about the work that you're working on? Uh, I am always around the Twitter sphere at, mm-hmm. at Samuel Rukin, or one word. And, um, and yeah, send me a message. I might even write back. Well, thank you so, so much <laughs> for taking the so time much. to talk to us tonight. Yeah, oh, I have a Facebook page as well. Oh, so fantastic. You can, you can, that's the same thing, Samuel Rukin. It's not very inventive. It just is what it says. That's good, though. It's um, easy to find. But, yeah, but um, yeah, come and say hello any of those places. All right. Well, thank you again so much, Samuel. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's so fun talking to you guys, and thank you for doing what you do, because um, uh, it's a real kind of, uh, it's a nice button on the end of the show every week. So thank you. No, thank and thank you and the rest of the cast, too. I mean, having you guys on the show just it makes it that much richer. Forever, for all yeah, of us. and one of these days, if we do season three, maybe I'll um, I'll make it over to your studio. Yes, and we'll actually do a sit down. That, that would be good. fantastic. All right, <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. If you're ever in LA, we'll do another interview. All right. Thank you so so much, Sam. That was fantastic. I love this cast is just so amazing. I know I've said it a million times, but they really are. The, this is one of my favorite shows to do because it's so easy to to talk to them. You know, yeah. and I love that they're tweeting people and they're calling in. And, you know, season one, we were all the two of us, Ryan, Joyce and, and Dylan, were all just kind of flabbergasted that the cast <laughs> yeah. is watching us, you know, and 
I think when we found that out, our jaws hit the (laughs) the floor. We were like, wait, what? You guys watch this show? Why? (laughs) It just blew our minds. I love that. And I love that they... I really want to see a show with him and, and Ian talking about, like, the next morning stuff. I, I would love... Like, we should have, like, breakfast with Washington and Simcoe. <laughs> like, how love... amazing. It would actually be more like brunch if it's 11. Brunch yeah. with Simcoe, Washington. <laughs> I would totally watch that. I would love, love, love to see that. Um, I mean, I bet they would be way more entertaining recapping this show than we are. <laughs> oh, but man. So let, let's talk a little bit. We, we don't have too much time, uh, mm-hmm. but let's go ahead and talk about the rest of this episode. Uh, one of the things uh, he brought up was Peggy and uh, the love triangle with mm-hmm. Peggy and Andre and Benedict. And we get to see a little bit of that. Benedict was a knight in shining armor mm-hmm. coming into town. Uh as the military commandant. Then he got a little too excited too quickly. Because I think if he would have, like, dragged that out a little bit, I think Peggy would have been on board with that. I mean, John Andre let her go. I mean, we know why, and there were reasons. But still, as as a woman, it's a, it's a little bit of a it's, hit. It, well, and he... Or anybody doesn't I have mean, to be woman. I mean, just as a person, yeah. he is very direct, and he knows what he wants, and, he want, and he's going to go for it. And in some ways, it's a really great thing. He's passionate. But on the other hand, it's like, slow down a little guy. You literally just came into town. Like, we just said hi, like, two hours ago. <laughs> Calm down a little. <laughs> but he kind of sees this as a challenge. Like, um, and, and I worry that he's going to be a little too aggressive when it comes to kind of trying to win her father over. Because he does see it as a challenge. He's like, oh, this is this is a competition. I need to win. I need to prove that I'm worthy and all that stuff. I feel like, though, the dad is going to be wooed easily. I'm not and so then sure. I don't... I, it seemed... Well, because he was about ready to just hand her off to John Andre after one meeting, too, at but the beginning there. But her families are Tories. Mm. Just because... I mean, yes, Benedict Ar- Arnold did save them. But he is still a rebel in their eyes. So I'm not sure if the father will approve. Or maybe that's why he turns. (laughs) I went there. (laughs) Our producer, Steven, just gasped. (laughs) I wish we had that dun-dun-dun sound effect. Uh, He's probably going to find it. Anyway. (laughs) He can say it again. No. no, The moment is gone. I am. I'm going to let it live there. But, uh, but yeah, I do, I, I, I mean, that's something that we've been curious is about, um, is seeing how this relationship will develop given the fact that- <laughs> There it is. I jumped at that. <laughs> I was like, oh, hello there. It was very loud in our headphones. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Better late than never. But, um, anyway, yeah, the, I, I've been very interested to see how that relationship develops, just given the fact that they decided to make it a love triangle. Mm -hmm. which I wouldn't have necessarily guessed before, you know, just kind of knowing history. I I wouldn't have guessed that love triangle was the route that they would decide to go, but it -hmm. is what it is. And it was, it was really interested, uh, interesting to see, um, Benedict. We see him, he's, even though he's aggressive with her, it's a whole different kind of aggressive. He kind of called, he had those little puppy dog eyes when he's talking <laughs> to her and he just grabbed and kissed her and the look on her face. Cause I think she was, I think she's probably a little bit confused. Cause again, she loves John Andre and that's where her heart lies at the moment. But you know, she's, she's a smart girl. She's like, here's this guy who likes me. And now all of a sudden he saved me. And brought me into Ben Franklin's house. 
she's probably feeling a little torn, but I mean, obviously. I think definitely that's something, because I mean, this was also somebody that when he was writing letters to her, she was reading in front of John Andre, and they would laugh about it together. I I mean, that's, you gotta feel kind of bad when when you're actually standing face-to-face with this person again, Mm -hmm. um, instead of when they're, you know, miles and miles away while you're with the person that you love it's a completely different scenario so i i feel like she she's definitely feeling a little conflicted yeah and and peggy's a girl that when we first meet her every guy likes her and that's that's kind of what she likes too and 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 andre piqued her interest because he wasn't that kind of guy and probably a little bit old peggy is like oh it's kind of nice to have the guy chasing me around a little bit and i think It'll be really fascinating to see what happens next with them. Yeah, especially because if, obviously she still loves John Andre, um, but whether or not she'll feel abandoned and whether or not the feelings that she develops for Benedict Arnold will be actual feelings or if she's just going to kind of go through the motions for the sake of being John Andre's liaison. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting, again, to see where they kind of go with that. Um, something also kind of interesting to talk about is, uh, Charles Lee in this episode, just speaking of liaisons for John Andre, um, he formally apologizes to Washington and, um, and Washington gives him half the army, much to Ben's chagrin and Ben's solution to kind of, uh, this misjudgment on the, as what he deems is probably a misjudgment, uh, is to get his dragoons over where Charles Lee is, so I, I'm assuming keep to keep an eye on things. Do you think, though, that Washington, because we know um, Billy was saying, you know, and we saw that that whole episode that was amazing um, with Washington kind of losing his cool a bit, to, to put it in simple terms. To put it mildly. <laughs> yes, to put it very mildly. Um, kind of funny. Um, I, I actually heard that dreams, just kind of going back to that, where you lose your teeth, um, can sometimes represent um, the idea that you're losing control. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and and I wonder though, because because he kind of re, he he kind of gained himself back a little bit, and I think with all the stuff that happened, you know, I I don't know. I tend to think he knows a little bit more what he's doing than what Ben and Billy think at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. What do you think? Do you think he's, do you think he's doing that because he actually thought General Lee was apologizing and he's trying to trust more? Or do you think that he's doing this kind of knowing that Ben would probably stick his hand in, in Washington's it, not a fool. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason why he hasn't been pursuing Lee is because there's no good way of getting evidence without tearing the army itself apart. So I'm wondering if he's not kind of setting up his own little trap to catch Lee in the act, and if what Ben is doing behind his back is kind of going to ruin whatever plan he has in store. So I'm I'm not saying that that I think... It's 100% the right move. But at the same time, Washington's, you know, like I said, he's no fool. Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if part of the thing was for him to tell Billy and go, hey, go tell Ben what I'm doing. (laughs) And I know he's going to, you know. I know exactly what he's going to do. You know what? They're kind of a father and son thing. No, I don't know. I could be reading too much into it, but I'm kind of curious. I think that would be 
insanely clever. I mean, because, again, just talking with Ian, Washington loved the spy game. Mm -hmm. Um, He loved moving all these chess pieces around. And in all honesty, that might have been the best way to get Ben where he needed to be. So it's entirely possible. We'll we'll just have to wait until next week to see. Which Um, one do you think, though? I'm curious what you think. Um. You know what? I'm going to go with that one. Also, Hewlett's <laughs> still alive, so apparently I need to bring in cupcakes next week because he's not dead yet. <laughs> no, he's not. He's, he's still alive. That's, I'm not going to be here next week. Uh, I guess I'll just, just eat, eat all eat the cu- cupcakes you to have, myself. I think you still need to bring in the cupcakes. You and Steven can eat cupcakes. One for me and one for Chris. Oh, she's not here. I guess uh-huh. two for me. That's how that works. I accept this cupcake on behalf of Kristen Carroll. <laughs> Anyway, um, so we we talked about Ben. We talked about uh, Peggy. Uh, we talked a little bit about Akinbode um, kind of accepting Anna's formally proposal. known. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, formally known as Jordan, and I think we should probably call him Akinbode yeah. from now on, um, unless he decides to change that. But um, but yeah, I think moving forward, that's how we should refer to him. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of interesting that it's not I love Abigail. It's I guess I love her. <laughs> that was kind of interesting. <laughs> It, it got him leave, and I think um, well, if you've he's never probably been. really conflicted, yeah, and he's never been in love before, and there's all these changes for him. I mean, he went from being a slave just a year ago to mm-hmm. about a year ago, and, and now having his freedom, and he's the number two in charge, but he's going to you know visit this woman that he loved, but he hasn't seen her in forever too. Yeah, so all he has is that passed. memory, and. And when he kind of, when he kind of, when, you know, the last time they had a scene together, she kind of rejected him. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. I guess that could definitely add to some feelings of doubt as to what his feelings were. um, Because just so much has changed for the both of them. And... um, and it's interesting too that I, I mean, that Anna would use this as an opportunity to to get him sort of out of the way, to get Simcoe's number two out of the way, um, because I would think that also an immediate concern would be not really having an excuse to keep up correspondence with, you know, Abigail. But I guess one crisis at a time. It's like oh, I guess we'll get that. You know, we'll take care of that when we get to it. Cross yeah. that bridge later. I figured that them putting the kibosh on it was Hewlett saying, I can't send men to go over yeah. there. But I think Anna's thing is actually really smart because, you know, Simcoe had said he's, you know, Samuel's, you know, reminded us that at the beginning he goes, you're, you're kind of the only guy I trust doesn't want to kill me right now. And the rest of the Queen's Rangers, I mean, they're kind of a questionable bunch. And you just based off of what they do every single day. And with that, you know, the number two guy gone, somebody else in the ranks going to go, hmm, yeah, I they're, didn't like how this Simcoe guy took over. They're kind of a backstabbing lot, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, <laughs> they really are. And I think if any of them did see the correct opportunity, they'd probably seize it. Probably. Um, yeah. Okay, so we, we should probably talk a little bit about Abe before we wrap up, because we're really running short on time. And it's not like he's the head guy of the show <laughs> or anything like that. He was able to shower. Good for him. Yes. You know, some beards I miss, and I his I didn't. <laughs> I was very glad he shaved. <laughs> we miss Caleb's beard. Uh, yes. Yeah, Abe's not so much. 
Um, although uh, we were talking about it while we were watching the episode, um, Richard acting like such a child in this entire episode, just that has knocking to be fun the books. for Kevin McNally though <laughs> to play that. Go pick just that up, Anna. Be the petulant child. It's like you are a grown man, sir. <laughs> Start acting like it. Um, but it is interesting that um, you know he is kind of eavesdropping. Everybody is kind of a spy in their own way in this mm-hmm. show. Um, just him kind of eavesdropping on Hewlett and Anna. And I want them to be a couple. <laughs> like, is that, is that weird? Like, no, I, I think they're setting it up for all of us to want them together. And then after, you know, we talked to Megan, um, team yeah, no, for I Mary, we're Abe, all team Mary. I want Abe <laughs> to be here. with Mary and to stop fooling around. <laughs> yeah, I was really hurt when he kissed, when he kissed Anna. I was like, no, what about Mary? You just talked to I her. I really love that you're like, I didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, this should not be happening right now. But but let's talk about Abe because he's released from prison. He's, he's back. like, thank you for your hospitality, Mr. Yates. I won't forget it. And he tries going back to Townsend's Inn only to find that Townsend has sold it. So he, he but he's left with a bill with an address on it. Mm-hmm. So he knows where to track them down. He finds Samuel, who has a black eye, and they're their establishment out there at this new address was burned to the ground Mm -hmm. by Simcoe's men. And um, it was this incident that finally pushed um, his son over the edge. I did say that earlier this season. I was like, I think something with the dad's going to happen. You did. I would have thought it would have been a little bit more violent, I guess. But it was enough of one where I'm I'm glad it wasn't. He was attacked and then... There, you know, it well, was I figured he would have died. That's what I figured would have happened. Oh, there's, there's. I'm still, glad he didn't. <laughs> yeah, there's still probably more to do. Um, mm-hmm. and and I'm sure actually that might be a consequence of taking up spying. Um, that might still happen. Uh, but yeah, for for now, he's bought a new establishment uh, where he's learned this very important, vital inf- piece of information that he left in invisible ink for Abe to find is that there is a plot directly against Washington, and I I can't help but wonder if it's not tied to General Lee's apology, you mm-hmm. know, and and I'm wondering if all of that is kind of going to be falling into place next episode. Yeah, I I think that's a very good assumption. And and just because it's the last uh, the last you know bit this episode uh, is that we they get attacked our trio Caleb and Anna and Abe get attacked by two of the Queen's Rangers who have overheard their plan, and this was dark like this was one of the darkest scenes I, I think we've gotten so mm-hmm. far this season. I mean, granted, this episode opened up with a man having been hung, you know, by Simcoe's men, and them going, "Oh, look at that." Yeah, and having Abigail's do son, happen. you know, come across it, too, was incredibly dark. And, yeah, and I, it was at one point, I, I didn't think it was going to go the way that it went, mostly because you see Caleb and you're like, oh, great, he just pow, pow, yeah, he no, Jack Sparrowed like, it last <laughs> week. This is no problem. Yeah, and then he, he got, you know, hit a, hit on the head and he's out. And we did see that Anna had a knife that she got from, from Abe's arm because he keeps... Uh, that contraption that holds mm-hmm. it there for him. And that whole part, too, where Abe's basically out as well. Anna. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because we're Team Mary when it comes to relationships doesn't mm-hmm. mean we dislike Anna because no, she's Anna great. Is, 
and we're she, team, we're team she, Anna with Hewlett, though. Yeah. <laughs> and she was a badass in this moment. Mm. Like, how cool was she when she actually got the pistol? Uh, and again, it was really dark, but don't mess with Anna Strong. <laughs> I think that's the lesson here. Yeah, when um, she stabbed him in his nether region. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, very smart of her because... Uh, Last, you know, he's gonna be down, and then the guy, the <laughs> other Sim, Simco, the, the, one of Simcoe's guys, was the other so Queen's ranger. Yeah, he, he felt that. He felt that from <laughs> over there. So it was a really perfect distraction. I think Abe and Abe felt it for a hot second, and then he goes, "Oh wait, this that's is my what time to knocked take care Kayla back into consciousness." He was like, "Whoa, I felt that." <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it, this was a very dark but well done scene. Mm-hmm. Um, this entire season has been really dark. And I think that's, I, I'll go ahead and say last week's episode was probably my favorite just because it was a little bit of levity <laughs> and, and a little bit of fun. But this one was really good. Um, but as they're kind of disposing of the bodies, because Abe and Anna are determined to stay there instead of going with Caleb, um, there's somebody watching them from the woods Mm -hmm. and we don't see who it is we we don't see and our dvr did not cut off this time (laughs) we actually got to the end of the episode and uh for the preview for next week and we don't see who it is so i'm gonna go ahead and say let's go into predictions really really quick sorry that we're going over so long steven how much you want to bet that was robert rogers Um, I don't like to bet. (laughs) (laughs) Says the winner of the previous bet. (laughs) I know, but I don't get any cupcakes anyway. (laughs) I'll send you cupcakes. I think think that's, um, I think that's a good assumption. I think it'd be interesting if it was, um, Richard. It might have been. I mean, we've seen him eavesdropping. We we know for a fact that he doesn't approve of what Abe's doing and that he's fully aware of it. Mm -hmm. So it could be Richard. Um, It could be just another Queen's Ranger. It could even be Simcoe himself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would be interesting if it was Rogers just because Rogers at the moment has nowhere to go. Then he doesn't have any affiliation, really, because the king tried to kill him. Yeah, the king tried to kill him. Um, Washington, you know, way back when wouldn't have him, mm-hmm. uh, as that was a scene from a few years previous. So he's not welcome with the rebels. He's not welcome with, uh, with the Tories. Uh, so he, yeah, he really doesn't have, and he was already a mercenary to begin with, but now he's kind of in a pickle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I find it entirely plausible that he could go back to Setauket looking for an ally or looking for some form of leverage to use against somebody to try to get back into the good graces of either the crown or the rebels. I tend to think he'd go for the rebels at this point because it was an affront to his honor, first of all. Well, because you have the king and you have General Washington and General Washington just threw him out. Mm -hmm. And you have the king who actually tried to have him killed. I mean, that that's something... you know, do you forgive that? Every what you've been fighting for, even though he's mostly fighting for himself, he was still on the side of of, well, of the crown. And we know that, just like a lot of other people in the series, he holds grudges. Like mm-hmm. the one of the things that brought him so much joy this season was gloating over John Andre, who had dismissed him at the end of season one. So it wouldn't surprise me if, yeah, having an attempt on his life from the crown, if that's 
that is really, really personal. So I could definitely see him going over to the side of the rebels and being like, hey, they certainly don't want me, and I'm not going to go to the Northwest West Passage without any money, so I'm going to be with you guys from now on. That would be a fun dynamic, actually. Him and Caleb on the same team. <gasps> they're great when they're at odds, but oh my gosh, could you imagine a team up? I feel like they team up and like they trip each other and they stuff like that. They would hate each other, but it would be so great. <laughs> Rogers would be like, I still got my beard. Yeah, he would. He would definitely Plus gloat about one. that. <laughs> I like that even Anna brought that up. She's like, what happened to your beard? <laughs> you look so weird. Um, but yeah, apart from that, uh, let's talk predictions. So, like, I, I, I'm just gonna say it. I'm Hewlett and Simcoe, it's gonna be a violent eruption. They're just gonna try to kill each other next episode. It's mm-hmm. gonna be out, all out war. And I think, um, I think we'll see Abigail again. And I'm kind of interested to see that reunion. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how, um, the three of them being together again for the first time. In probably, what was it, a year? Mm-hmm. At least a At year. Least year. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the three of them, how they all interact with each other. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, do you have any other predictions for next week? I predict also we'll figure out what's going on with General Lee, and I feel like he'll get caught. Yeah. Um, it, I have a feeling that Ben, whatever his plan is, it's going to... Not necessarily backfire on him, but I think he's going to get found out a little bit earlier than he anticipates. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Well, that does it for this week's episode. Kristen, where can people go if they want to find out more about you? You guys can find me on Twitter at KristenCarroll13, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-C-A-R-O-L-E 13. And I won't be here next week for turn. I might be able to call in, though, but I'm not sure. And then hopefully have some stuff over the summer. Please call in. Nobody wants to hear me talk to I'm going to try. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to tell you later what my, what my plan we'll is. We'll figure it out. Um, and I'm Megan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I'm also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz, and I've started writing articles for the movie Chick, Chick with two Ks. Be sure to check those out. Also, again, big, big thank you to Samuel Roken thank for, you, Samuel. Uh, for joining us this evening. And a big thank you to everybody on the hashtag and everybody who participated in the YouTube live chat. I was checking it occasionally. You guys are awesome. So thank you all for tuning in. We will see you all next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.